here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.9 FM in Port Elizabeth. All right, let me just uh, uh, welcome all my guests. Abigail Dawson, thank you so much for joining us. Amir Sheikh, thank you so much also for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for making the time once again. Thank you, really appreciate it. So um, let me just start with you again, Abigail, because I think you you really have a grip on what's happening on the ground. As we sit now, how desperate is the situation? It's extremely desperate, and I think as we go into stage four and three and two and one, it's going to continue to become worse, and I think starvation is becoming more of a risk than contracting COVID-19. Um, Amir, um, the communities, it's interesting because what I'm hearing on the ground is that at a time like this, what's actually interesting is that communities are coming together. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, very correct. There is actually inter-community solidarity and unity that have never been experienced in South Africa. Mm. And uh, it seems actually the only good things coming from the COVID-19 is that at least there is that unity, coexistence, sharing of little resources mm. among the most impoverished communities or those that are living in abject poverty, irrespective of color, race, creed, and country of origin. Abigail, Yesterday, when the president spoke, he spoke about people who have rights to our constitution in this country. And he mentioned even those who live in it, reside in this country. So that that doesn't mean anything about documentation and so on. What's our recourse? Where do we go if we cannot even find assistance, for instance, for organizations that are meant to be assisting us, um, UN organizations that are meant to be here to look after refugees? What do we do now? I think we are in a really difficult situation, and I think it's made bare the kind of failure of the state to document people and protect vulnerable groups in our country. And this includes South Africans who are not documented. A large number of our requests are people who don't have an ID, don't have, never got a birth certificate, those kind of issues which we've discussed on the show before. Mm. Um, so, and, you know, organizations working on the ground and, you know, I think Amir and the work they've been doing has been an incre- incredible tribute to solidarity and kind of countering a lot of the xenophobic sentiment we've heard from government during this time. Um, but I think, you know, we are really stuck and we've been pushing, you know, higher adversarial work and trying to bring the department to account um, for failing to provide for all people. And I think this is to the detriment of the whole response to COVID-19. If you don't give people basic services, it means they can't... Um, take the measures to prevent getting COVID-19. So you're instructing people to stay at home. One large majority of people are now struggling to pay rent or keep water and electricity. This means people are going to go out of their way to survive, which puts everybody at risk. So it's really to the failure of the whole response to this national disaster to exclude anybody from access to basic services. You know, let me try and be, you know, the devil's advocate here, Abigail, and say, is it because there aren't enough resources or am I being too harsh? 
I don't think so. I mean, if we look at what the Solidarity Fund has raised in a four-week period um, and we look at the, you know, we obviously can't deny the massive need and desperation across the board at this current moment for South Africans and non-nationals. But I think it's about where it's being distributed. And we've had major reports of corruption around food parcel distribution at a time like this. I mean, that's like an atrocity. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of resources. I think we've seen that there has been a huge mobilization of resources. And it's the ensuring that that's equally distributed to extremely vulnerable groups. And as I said, then then where do we go? I mean, a part of me, I can tell you now, a, a big part of me was thinking, uh, I think, you know, if possible, somebody must take government to court um, on on what it is that it says its constitution is meant to do and what it is not delivering on. And this is not only, by the way, for refugees, it's also for South Africans. Yeah. So I can't give more detail to this, but there have been legal organizations discussing this exact issue um, around the bigger legal implications of what it means to deny people almost the right to life. I mean, you you are not providing essentials and these people have no other means, especially people in the informal economy, which has been locked down, have no means for daily subsistence to survive. Um, so... I can, you know, people can follow what we've been doing in terms of advocacy and the um, kind of pressure we've been putting on the government to respond um, on our website and social media. Um, but there, you know, there has to be a more accountable recourse for what is going on and the long-term implications of this. Yeah. And I think even more so what, how the state of um, disaster is going to impact policy that comes out of this and our ongoing response to the circumstances we're in now, you know, the comments by Minister Tito Mboeni, sets a really ugly and divisive precedent for where we're going in, you know, what they're framing as the new economy. Just explain which part of of what he was saying you're referring to, Abigail. So, and we've put out a statement yesterday. Similar, similar to what I've been saying now about the exclusion of anyone is to the kind of detriment of the broad response. Um, but Tito Mboeni in the new economy directly, and he gave very anecdotal and fact-checked uh, figures around um, migrant workers in the hospitality industry, mm. which we mm. know are higher, mm. um, but, you know, very anecdotal evidence, mm. which, you know, he claims is not xenophobic and he claims that um, businesses need to prioritize South Africans. But what that does, it in, insinuates xenophobic um, narratives and um, thinkings around immigrants and non-nationals in our country. So Nathan- we have responded to that directly, and I can share that with you. Nathan Kay, thank you so much for calling us. You're calling us from Bombela. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Madam Pamiro. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for calling. Thanks for that program, Madam Okay, I wanted to comment a bit on that program whereby when I was growing up, Mm. my grandfather told me that the food which is enough for one person can help to feed three people. Mm. Understand? When you cook food for one person, it can feed three people. But in real sense, when they are distributing food today, they should not discriminate foreigners, whatever, everything. And I was so disgusted to hear Mr. Banyazali Sofi talking the way he's talking. I, 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 I was looking at him as a person who is grooming 
the people. Let me give you an example. The, for, the so-called foreigners, eh, they are saying they are not paying taxes. But whatever they buy in this country, they pay 14% for the tax. So they, they, they should not think, the people, they should not think that foreigners on, are not paying taxes. Because I hear it each and every way that foreigners are not paying taxes. Let us count that 14%. Each and every person who buy anything from supermarket or whatever, you pay 14%. Where does it go? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're spot on, Nathan K. Anybody who says that uh, people who are in the even even in the informal economy are not paying taxes, not telling the truth. So thanks very much for that call. Romeo thanks, in K- KZN. Good afternoon, Romeo. Hey, sister, and uh, to all your guests, how are you this afternoon? We well. Thanks for calling, Romeo. Thank you. Uh, my sister, I wanted to find out before we point fingers uh, to the government. I wanted also to find out uh, from, I don't know your guests, where are they coming from, um, uh, organizations. I wanted to find out uh, from United Nations for Human, I mean for refugees. refugees. Mm. Yes, I wanted to find out because I believe the world is under a lockdown as we speak. Mm. If I may say, maybe we are on disaster situation, mm. 95% of the rest of the world world. Mm. And I'm saying, if we are under this situation on a disaster, what does the United Nations do in a situation like this, more especially in the section of uh, UN for Human Rights? Do they come up with something? Do they have got a budget? Do they help What is it exactly they do? Besides only seeing the migration of people themselves when it comes to disaster, like in a situation like this, what is it exactly they do? So the response, and I, I mean, Abigail and Amir, you can help me out on the ground if, if that's what your experience is. But the response we got from them is that they then take the funds that they've been that have been forwarded to them to various organizations and South African organizations are doing well. That that was their response. Um, if and I then we think, shouldn't. Sorry, my sister. Then we shouldn't have talk about uh, not giving the migrants food in South Africa if they are saying they are doing well. It means that uh, there is something which they are hiding. They are not telling us or I don't know who is hiding this information that they are receiving the money from um, United Nations for for, 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 for refugees. In that case I think there is something that is not going on uh, very well here. Yeah, I must say, I wasn't quite satisfied with their answer. Amir, what's your response and, and your engagement? Have you ever engaged with them, the United Nations Refugees uh, Commission? Uh, the, United, the UNHCR for refugees work in actually many ways in countries where they are. In countries where prim- primarily the matter of the refugees, asylum seekers falls under them, and people are in camps, they actually look after them, their well-being, their food, their everything. But in a scenario like South Africa, it's, uh, South Africa have adopted uh, a scenario where they have taken the responsibilities themselves. Mm. They have ratified actually the Geneva Convention of 1951, the OAU Convention on, of, of the OAU Convention on 68, and they have even gone further domesticating these international refugee treaties to what came into be the Refugee Act 130 of 1998, 
and South Africa is responsible for the asylum seekers and refugees in it. And whatever UNHCR have, even though they have got partners, mm. that they work on actually certain elements, like the Lawyers for Human Rights, the Consortium for Refugees mm. and Migrants in South Africa, but they deal directly with government, mm. and they do not offer support actually directly to migrant communities. Abigail, is that a working model? So, I mean, Comse isn't a UNHCR direct partner. We don't receive funding from them. Um, but some of their organizations are assisting, from what I understand, both people who are calling in and, as per an assessment, um, kind of fit the criteria for that need. Um, and then their partner organizations assisting their clients. Um, so that is the general practice of UNHCR is that they do their work through their partner organizations on the ground as well as their own um, kind of advocacy, diplomacy work. Isn't there a scenario for an emergency situation like what we're facing now? So as far as I know, and I think people should, I don't want to speak on behalf yes. of UNHCR, but they have um, on their website they do have a COVID-19 emergency number and they've been raising and mobilizing resources specifically for this. Um, so, you know, as I said, I don't want to speak on their behalf um, to misrepresent anything. Um, but, yeah, I would no, encourage people to do that. Can and I yeah, maybe you know, Yes, Amir, yeah. go ahead. No, being actually a migrant myself and a refugee in South Africa, the UNHCR... Interaction with migrants have always been actually not that right and not that cordial. And we respect it because primarily we are not actually up to them and we're not looking up to them for assistance. But the numbers they may provide and the reliefs will not actually come straight to the migrant community. And the relations have never been actually, you know, cozy. It's a bit problematic for a refugee person or asylum seeker to call UNHCR. And I understand one of the reasons is there are three durable solutions in any countries that I have adopted, of which number one will be actually local integration, and where local integration will not work, then voluntary repatriation will be the second durable solution. But most of the migrants that we represent want the third option, which is actually, you know, a resettlement, and because of that relationship, the UN in South Africa have never had a good relation with migrants, yes. In times like 2008, when we had mass xenophobic attack, they released some funds, assisted some businessmen, you know, with the stocks, uh, replenishment, and similar things. But unfortunately, all their actually energies and all their monetaries go to the government and their, poli and their partners that actually they have identified in the entire country. All right. I mean, Sheikh, we will have to just pause it there because we need to go to the headlines. You're a spokesperson of African Diaspora Forum, and I also, my other guest is Abigail Dawson, the spokesperson of the Consortium for Refugees and Migrants in South Africa. It's 1.30. Let's go to Uti Lissako for the latest in headlines. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. All right, thank you so much for staying with us and uh, for all your calls as well. Please keep them coming, 0891-104-207, your WhatsApps as well, as well as your SMSs. Let me just read some of your SMSs. Um, lots of you who uh, are throwing all sorts of profanities, which is fine. Pimelo, uh, do not badmouth people that you have interviewed on your show uh, and defend yourself. And then another one, I have never come across a presenter that comes across so self-centered. Um, and then the other one, I'm not going to use the first word because the swear word get over yourself let it go we know what your personal opinion is and it goes on and on this is the point that for me to begin a show 
or to give you context of why we are having this conversation, I have to refer back to what has happened. If I didn't do that, then I would be unfair because I wouldn't have given you context to the fact that we've reached out to this person and that person and that person and these were the responses. The fact that you don't like the fact that I'm pursuing the issue is a different case. Swear at me all you like, that's fine. But it, I've done that many times. This is not the first time I follow up on an issue. And I'm sure by now, if you listen to the show regularly, you will know. If something doesn't end well, we need to continue pursuing it. That's my job. It's my job. It's my role. I am here to be the voice of the voiceless. You may not like the opinion. I have no problem with that. And in fact, I welcome your disagreements. But profanities, throwing them at me, swearing at me, it's not going to get us anywhere. So the point of this whole thing is for, to allow everybody, and let me tell you, every one of us here has a right to speech, to an opinion. I have the right to an opinion. I don't know if you don't know that. I have the right to an opinion. We will not agree. We don't have to agree. But do me a favor, swearing at me is not going to get us anywhere. Let's go to Mpo, who's calling us from Mangaung. Hi. Hello, uh, Pumelo. Hi. Pumelo, I just wanted to also check if you were in your previous engagement with uh, this matter. Have you also got somebody from the government just to give a balanced... Uh, yes, we have, actually. We have because given... I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just thinking about, because I don't know in the past, well, that's what I'm asking, because today I'm just listening yes. to one side of the story. I haven't, no, uh... the story has been going on. I'm so sorry, Paul. Let me just give you context. The story has been, we've been following the story for over a week, and it came mm. from a situation where somebody was in a queue and was removed from the queue because there was Zimbabwean. And we have been in touch with absolutely every single corner of social development. Nobody wants to acknowledge what their side of the story is. The only response we got was from the social development MEC, uh, acting MEC, Panyaza Lusufi, who not even spoke to me, but to our colleagues on television. But nobody is willing to come on the radio and tell us their stance. They've given us statements, but we need clarity, and they're not willing to do that. The fact of the matter is, if a caller like you calls and says to me, Pimelo, you know, in my house, my tap is running dry. I don't know what's happening. It's my job to follow up on that. If the official doesn't want to come on and say why that is not happening, we don't drop the story just because I can't find the official. I need to make sure that you have water. And that's my stance. Now, the, the, the other thing, the, the, I also wanted to check. The, the, the representatives from the, 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 the responsive, or let me say the, the concerned citizens who are felt to be discriminated, have they ever been you know, approached and consulted in here what is actually their government are doing? That is what no. we've also been doing, um, Paul. You're, ac- you're asking a very important question because what also what we've been doing is to also reach out to the embassies themselves and their governments to mm-hmm. find out their role in all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what I can tell you, Mpo, is that, um, and, and the thing is people may misunderstand me. Oftentimes, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that only South Africa is responsible for the problem, you know. 
oftentimes po- because, because politicians think, themselves, mm. even it doesn't matter where they come from, politicians themselves find it very difficult to account to things that are wrong. And so even ourselves, we've been reaching out to embassies because we also think it's their responsibility at a time like this to respond to what is going on to their citizens. And nobody's willing to give us an interview. Because now, for me, uh, okay, I, I do understand that you did engage previously. The, the, the impression created is that maybe South African government is insensitive. They are not doing anything. You know, it, for me, it's like they are being blackmailed. You know, but I, I do understand your point. But at the same time, you know, there's a reality in South Africa. South Africa doesn't have unlimited resources. I think we need to. The government come to the party. If, if this. COVID-19 has taught us something very, very fundamental. Mm-hmm. If you don't protect your, your boundaries, if you don't talk, protect your boundaries and make sure that, you know, you, 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 you let people in as much as you know that you'll be able to can cater for whoever comes into your country. Mm-hmm. Also, go taking into consideration that the fact that South Africa is being regarded as the one, the, the most unequal society. You know, it's number one of most unequal society. There's a lot of poverty here. You are so you right know, on many levels. That, you, that, you are yeah, right. That, that thing our government is actually, you know, grappling to deal with. Now, if the borders are this... Let me ask you this every, quickly, Mpo, because there are a lot of people who, who, are, who are holding on. You are right. South Africa, South Africa is unequal. South Africa sits with the, with, with the problem of, of porous borders. You are absolutely right. This is my question at a human level. Are we now punishing the child that happens to come from Zimbabwe and not and pull them out of a food parcel queue because there's corruption, because we've had porous borders, because we know that there are people in between the system who've denied even you some of the things that you deserve. And, and, and the people who've made the society unequal, it's not that child. Is this the time really to take food away from a child? Yeah, you see, for me yeah. and you, probably we might. I'm also sympathizing with you, mm-hmm. and I also I wouldn't even do that myself. Mm-hmm. But for other people who are in the same situation as a child, mm-hmm. you know, they would see it the other way around. That you know what, instead of us being given this food because we deserve it because we are South African, mm-hmm. here is this food now being given to other people who are not South African. Why? 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 Let me ask you this. Why do you assume that I'm saying giving a Zimbabwean child means that don't give a South African child? Why does that assumption always come through? I have never said don't give a, child, a South African child food. I've never, no, no, I've never no, said I'm that. Saying, I'm, I'm saying, saying that's what you're saying. Hence I was saying, tell me if the resources are not enough. From the data that we are seeing, the resources are there, the resources are enough. If everybody was above board, Everybody should have. So there shouldn't be a either or one child or not the other. That's all I'm saying. I, I think our government has created this mess and it's up to them to, to, to actually get it right. And lastly, on yes, the sir. point of people who are saying the, sh- the, 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 the shop owners or the, the um, foreigner shop owners are yeah. not paying tax, yeah. I, can, I, I can attest to that. You know what? Mm-hmm. It's true they are paying VAT when they go and buy, mm. but they don't pay the income out of what they have sold, which is where the money should also be coming from. Mm. That's where they're not paying, because they're not registered with SARS, many of them. Yeah. That's no, where no, the no, people you, think they're they no. not paying tax. No, that, that employs, is, is right. I mean, there's a lot of informal economy here where people do not pay tax, and, and that you're absolutely right about. Thanks. It was lovely engaging with you, Mpo. Thank you very much for calling.
at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Thank you so much for your patience and for staying with us. And I will take those calls. As I said, I will and many of your WhatsApp notes and voice notes as well. No problem. It is 18 minutes to 2 o'clock. Maschaba, I know you've been holding for a long time. Thanks for your patience. Oh, is it Masabata? Masabata, thank you so much for your patience. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Pimelo. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, I have a problem with your panels. Most of the time, they are one-sided, like the previous speaker said. For example, I know here in South Africa, there are many people who are opposed to the lawlessness that goes with illegal immigration together with the um, mismanagement of the refugee and asylum seeker system. For example, uh, the Department of Home Affairs up to today, we've not heard from them. Why is it that we don't have refugee camps in South Africa when other countries like Malawi and other countries, they have refugees? So you find that always you bring in people who are going to pump this narrative of South Africans being uh, xenophobic. And what is interesting is that even racists have jumped onto the bandwagon of labeling people who have genuine concerns about the mismanagement of the immigration system in South Africa. They call them xenophobic, despite the fact that what is happening here in South Africa is against the law and the, sorry, the letter and the spirit of South African immigration laws. It's against the letter and spirit of the Refugees Act, but it's also against the international protocol on the status of refugees. And to some extent, I would include asylum seekers who do it specifically mm. about the refugees. For example, if you go to Article 18 of the mm. protocol, you will see that it doesn't provide for refugees to be involved in informal trading. I don't even want to talk about our immigration act because you go to um, uh, to, to, to Article 15 of the act, you mm. will see that every foreigner that wants to do business in South Africa, they must have a business visa, which means they must be registered for tax, income tax. Mm-hmm. They must also invest $5 million. They must employ South Africans. So there is no way that they can be involved in informal trading. But because you apply, you, you approach this uh, topic from a partisan point of view, from a point of view that says South Africans are xenophobic, you do not even engage the legal framework that involves the regulation of the movement of foreigners coming into the country. And based on your limited knowledge and understanding of what is involved here, you jump and label people xenophobic. I think that should stop. Please go into uh, your let research. Me, let me respond to you. A lot of lawlessness that takes place in relation to the participation of foreigners in the South African Please don't economy. leave. I want to respond to you, Masabat. Yes, ma'am. Every discussion... Um, that you will hear on this show or any show, for instance, is 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 angled, right? In in other words, there is an angle that we focus on. At no point did I discuss trading of illegal immigrants. At no point did I discuss the 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 rights that immigrants have or illegal um, immigrants have in this country, because this was a specific angle. The specific angle is very simple. And I've been very clear about that. And you are right about all the things that you've discussed. But that was not the angle. And so what you're doing, you are now broadening the discussion to make me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I am specific to the issue of food parcels at a time like this to a person who's an immigrant. It has got nothing to do with trading around immigrants because you are right. All those issues I've had time to discuss them and I've addressed them before. So 
Because you want to broaden the discussion, it doesn't mean that my knowledge or the insight of what it is that you're saying is limited. It simply means that I've chosen today to focus on the hungry and the hungry I'm focusing on them today because we've got a situation that is abnormal. COVID-19 is extraordinary. This is not something that anybody would have would, would have managed to to plan for. All I'm asking, so so all I've asked, and we have asked this, which is what you don't know. We have invited government. This is the point here. This is not about a xenophobic conversation. It is about to assess. Assisting people who are hungry at a time like this and discriminating against those people. It's not about, we know the problem is about immigrants, and nobody's but disagreeing you with you on that. You know what? I've been listening to you, Isamet, just chip in your guest there. Yeah. What's the name? Uh, NGO, whoever. She said so, uh, there are xenophobic statements coming from the government simply because the government says it doesn't have enough resources to cater for everyone. She claims the government has resources. Now tell me, which country has unlimited resources? You see, my issue is that mm-hmm. people throw the label xenophobia at each and every one who is opposed to the lawlessness that goes with the immigration, with the coming in into South Africa of illegal immigrants. Mm. They label them xenophobic. And the media doesn't interrogate that label. But you we have, you, Masabata. I have never allowed... But she just said... Uh, yeah, but she's, she's, she's here. She's still, she's still here. No, 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 Masabata. She's still here. Meaning we can ask her to respond to that. There's no problem. You are raising an important issue. She's still here. She can respond to that. But you've never heard me say it's okay for us to have porous borders. So... What I'm saying is let's separate issues and what people are saying because yeah, I've but never I've ne- it's problematic because always always without Can saying, we give her a chance to respond then? On South Africans being these bad people right now where are the embassies of these people where are they, what is their role why are these people not talking about the embassies Would you rather we don't discuss yeah, an issue role, if right. should we rather not let me ask a question Masabat which is a yeah. fair question Would you prefer that discussions don't happen because officials are not willing to, to answer to them? No, I would prefer that we have a balanced discussion. Right now you are talking to me, you are telling me about the government. But you know South Africa, it's got a lot But I'm also saying I've invited them, remember? But you always, always it's either government or the government didn't respond. Therefore you go on with people who are pro-lawlessness. Like the lady you have there in the, in Should the we give her a chance to respond? Let, let, let's let's do, do that. that. Let, please don't go so that you can be satisfied with whether you like what, her, what she says or not. Abigail, go ahead. Thank you. Um, I'm in no way pro-lawlessness, but I think we also have to take into account, and you maybe won't agree with me, but the inability for the state to regulate people's stay in South Africa. The system in which both migrants and asylum seekers in this country have to go through to legalize their stay in this country is next to impossible. The Refugee Amendment, appeal, the Refugee Appeals Agency, has a 68-year backlog on decisions. Now, when you are trying to survive day to day in a very difficult context, to renew your document every three to six months is difficult. I'm in no way advocating lawfulness, but what I am advocating for is improved systems that ensure the rights of everybody living in South Africa. And I, you know, I think you challenging my comment on xenophobia, and I think the issue is that xenophobia generally is something that others and um, 
you know, others' people and specifically foreign people in this country. Now, there's also institutionalized xenophobia, which is policy and practice in agencies that um, other specific people on the basis of nationality. Now, some of the comments we have seen have instituted division and exclusion of specific groups of people in this country, and that insinuates xenophobic attitudes. So I think that cannot be denied that comments made and policies that are being prescribed, including the newly amended Refugees Act, excludes people from their basic rights. And my last point is that I really think South Africans need to think more carefully about refugee camps. One, it's a much larger cost to the state to implement um, refugee camps, and they inevitably cause more human rights violations. So I think as South Africans, we need to really think deeply around why we took the progressive step of integration um, rather than refugee camps and working on integration models, which is not an um, easy thing, you know, to think from a place of privilege to say something like that is not easy. Um, but I do think we need to think very carefully about encouraging the um, building of refugee camps in South Africa. Masabata, do you want to... Yes, go ahead, Amir. No, the fact of the matter is it's undeniable fact that we have got a government that practices institutionalized xenophobia in all its policies and all in application when it comes to migrants. Then we have got actually majority South Africans who are hospitable and very receptive and others who dislike their own. And that is actually what I will talk about, the Afrophobia. They do not actually talk about any other race. The lighter your skin, uh, the more they regard you as a visitor, as an investor in the country. The darker your skin, the more they treat you, actually, you know, as a crook or somebody who have came actually to take. And then we have got, with the discussion today we have, we have got that category. that are also suffering from Aprophobia, which is actually majority of our black the dislike of actually the indigent person because there is a scarcity of resources. They do not actually want the little that at least that are coming out to unfortunately also be shared by the migrants themselves. But one thing people are forgetting that at least is that being in South Africa, we have got also rights and responsibility and we are under the courtesy of the South African government, not the UNHCR and not our respective embassy because today as a native of Somalia, if I go to my embassy, it is a reavailment and I will lose the protection of South Africa. I want to just give uh, Masabata a chance to, to, to respond to both of you. Masabata, before I give you a chance, can I just say that one of the things that bothers me, and and this is not about the unlimited resources that government has, is that at executive level, from what you've seen, all of us have seen that the government has come together and rallied to try and solve this, this crisis, because I, I think COVID-19 is a crisis, from the president to the ministers and so on. I don't think, for me, questioning why that local government and those on the ground are not executing what the executive is saying is anti-government. It's not anti-government because I recognize what the government is doing. But I do think that if a local councillor starts behaving in a manner that was not mandated by government, as in the president, who himself said we should include everybody, then we should question that. But let me give you a time to respond. 
Okay, yeah, Pimelo, you know, I just want to conclude by saying we need to make a thorough distinction between refugees and migrants. Mm. Migrants cannot claim that the South African government is not processing their documents and therefore that's why they are here illegally. You know, when you're a migrant, you apply in the country of origin. I'm sure you travel yourself. You don't move until they've issued you a visa. Then you go to the country. So for them to resort to self-help and start making demands when they are already in the country, it's wrong, it's illegal, they must be deported. When it comes to refugees, I stand by what I said. The South African government must tell us, why is it that we don't have refugee camps? You know, I hear about institutional xenophobia and all of that. We hear that. To solve all of that, I'm saying refugee camps. If you go to Malawi, you will see that there's peace between Malawians and refugees because they hardly ever compete over nothing. Why? Because all the refugees are in the camp. So that is the case almost everywhere. So we are asking for the same thing. Next time you have Dr. Mutsuaneri on radio, please tell him that South Africans don't have an organization like the refugees, but they are concerned about issues of illegality involving migrants as well as um, refugees. Do, do so you know where the... Ga- we want the encampment policy for refugees. Do, do you know where government stands, by the way, with the refugee camp? Because they've, they've been clear on what they stand on that. Yes, that's, you, you know, what is interesting is that there is even an option in the constitution for the, for, 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 for the South African government to conduct a referendum to hear from South Africans whether they want refugees. Mm. It's not about them. They don't represent their jackets. They represent South Africans who okay. elected them to office. All right. Therefore, if we demand refugee camps, they must do a, 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 I don't know what is it, so that we make our input and say we demand refugee camps so that we end all these hostilities between South Africans and uh, there is one thing I think you've missed, which was a good thing, actually, Masabat, was that Amir was saying in the communities they feel very welcome now. It is fine. That is fine. We, that's what I'm saying to you. Even right now, I invite you to visit Malawi, and they can, you will see Malawians, they will never even fight you. Why refugees are in the refugee camps? So we want that for South Africa as well. Yeah. So okay. we are well, saying... That spirit, those few people who welcome refugees, I think the numbers will increase because now the hostilities would have come to an end. Refugees would be in the camp. There will be the responsibility of the United Nations, like it's the case the world over. And then the South African government, remember right now we're discussing refugees. Truth of the matter is at some point we're involved with transforming the South African economy. So the people who suffered under apartheid, they benefit from this democracy. That's no longer happening because everything now has been hijacked. The issue on the agenda every day is refugees and illegal foreigners making demands. So my request is that let us make a distinction. No migrants should be here without papers because they apply in the country of origin. So nothing forces them to move from their country if they've not been issued with the documents to come to South Africa. So if they are here without documents, that is self-help and it must be dealt with. With respect to refugees, we understand their plight, but all we're asking for is for the South African government to introduce the encampment policy. There'll be harmony. Masabata, the in Rodiport. Richard, sorry for your, uh, for taking so long to take your call. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, my dear. How are you? Good, thank you. Go ahead, Richard. We don't have much time. I'm glad God gave you a big heart uh, 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 re- regarding the issue of uh, refugees in the Republic. Myself, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. 
who have been in the Republic for 16 years. But what I'll say quickly, that South Africa, I'm sure the, the gentleman from, uh, I think, the UN has clarified clearly how South Africa can govern such in conventions try not to limit the potential of refugees. As we speak, there are some refugees who are valuable, who are contributing to the South African, I mean South African society. Not all refugees are useless, as maybe it might be thought. Myself, I've been in a country, I managed to establish a trade union in a diplomatic sector, and uh, it's doing well. We're creating jobs as well. We, we're trying to meet the need of uh, locals as well. Hmm. Richard, um, let, let, let me go because of there's so many other people, but thank you for your sentiments. Thank you very much. Felix in Nelspreet, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I see there is no time. Yes, sir. And your, your, your topic actually has been shifted to something else. You see, Pimelo, what you are trying to say is this. What you are trying to ask is this. Would you really see somebody starving to death and you will say, I am not going to feed you because you are a foreigner or because you are an illegal Immigrant. You've heard me, Most Felix. Most human being in his right mind we do that. You've heard me. Thanks that is the question you are asking. That's all I've asked. Thanks very much, Felix, exactly. for that. Colin, let's quickly go to you in Cape Town. Hi. Oh, no, I've been sitting for 45 minutes. Uh, I can't say in a minute what I want to say. All right. Man. All right. You Colin, know, I... You should give everybody a minute or so. Sure, Colin. Um, I apologize for you holding if, if that's offended you. I, I do apologize for that. I don't think there's anything we could have done. I think everybody needs the chance to express themselves just like you. If you feel that we can continue our conversation after the news, I'm very happy to do that. Will you be willing to do that? Colin? Yes, thanks very much, because I can't say what I want to say in a minute. Hello? Yes, I'm listening. I'm saying, would you be willing to... I can't to say what I want to say in a minute. Yes, but answer the question. Would you be willing to speak to me after the news so that I can give you time? Get your producer to phone us back, man. The hostility, Colin, is not going to help us. I'm just asking if we can call you back after the news so that we can continue. Is that okay or not? Uh, if the producer can call me back, thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you. All right, Colin there. We'll, we'll speak to Colin after the news. It's 2 o'clock. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. All right, so let's just finish it off because we had a caller that we were not able to take before the news. And uh, Abigail Dawson is still here. We'll give her also a chance to just round off. And Amir Sheikh will also give them a chance to round off. Um, And we did say that we have got an organization that actually has some solutions. We're going to give them a few minutes also to just tell us how they are able to assist refugees at this point. So uh, let me go straight to Colin, who um, was quite disgruntled before we went to the news. Hello, Colin. Are you back on the line with us? Yes. Good afternoon. Good, af- good afternoon. And good afternoon to your panel. You know, you reap what you sow. Um, the government, 20 odd years ago, opened up the borders. That's where the problem started. Now, I agree with the one caller, and I've, I've spoken on radio before. We should have refugee camps. Because United Nations help us also if you got the refugee camps. Now imagine now if we had refugee camps and they were all together. We could go there and feed them so easily, but now they're scattered all over the country. 
Yeah. Now the migrant workers, if I want to go to Australia, so I dare not leave my country unless I know I've been approved to go to Australia. So those migrant workers, thousands of them, illegally come here over the borders. Now that contributes to, to the headache that government created for themselves. And another thing too is asylum seekers. Now, however, if, if you had your refugee camps, Home Affairs could go there and sort out, give permits, working permits, whatever it is, documentation, and reintegrate those people into our society. But government dragged its feet for 20 years, opened up our borders, corruption on our borders. That is where the problem is now, and government is to blame. And all your listeners must stop blaming one another. The government, they must put the blame onto the government for not uh, controlling our borders and doing their work properly. Thanks very much. All right. So, Colin, the thing about the refugee camps is not going to happen. Uh, and I was trying to make the point to Masabata. That's not the government's approach to, to how we deal with refugees. Yes, yes. So we, we know that. So we can park that for now. And, um, and secondly, I think what's, what's problematic with all of our discussions is that it has shifted to a single idea to everybody taking advantage of the issue that I was raising and, and bringing in all the other issues. And I'm, I'm not confused about government's um, problems with refugees and porous borders. I'm not confused about that. At no point did I defend porous borders or anything like that. So I'm not sure how we got to a point where I now am sitting here responding to people telling me that uh, there's lawlessness in this country, there are too many foreigners here. We are here now. I'm simply asking if it's too much for us to feed a child who just is not South African. That's as simple a question that I have. That's all I've asked. Now, uh, now imagine now, imagine now if we did have camps close to our borders and they were sorting them out. Home Affairs did their work properly and sort, the government sorted them I, out. I, I, we, I, we, can, we can go there with truckloads of food and feed those people. They, they in big groups. I, now they're scattered all over, and the poor people, they've got no documentation, they've got nothing. And they, the government wants to ignore them now. You can't ignore them. This, they are human beings also. Th this is the point. This is the point, Colin. I live in the real world, and right now, we don't have camps. Right now, people are hungry. Right now, people are being pushed out of the queue because they're not South hard, African. And so for, for me... To find myself defending government policies like refugee camps at a time like this, I think makes no sense. I think there no, are simple, simple we, things. If, Can we just we deal with the moment? Now, but if we had those camps years ago. Yeah, but we're here now. Yeah, but Colin, we're here now. We're, we are here right now. Right okay, now. I, There's I, a child I, who went to bed hungry. That's all I've I, asked. Yes, I, I understand. I understand it. But, but I mean... Isn't it better? Wouldn't it have been better if there was a thousand people in a group living in a camp and took loads of food, go there daily and feed them? Now they're scattered all over like chickens all over the country. I don't know if they should be compared to chickens, but thanks very much for that, no, Colin. I'm saying, I'm not Colin. compared to chickens, but they're scattered all over. The, the truck on ride from uh, this area to that area looking for refugees. 
it, it would be much Nobody was asking. I wasn't yeah. asking anybody to look for refugees. The child was in the queue and the child was removed and not fed. It's as simple as that. <coughs> That's all I'm saying, Colin. Thank you very much for your call. I think I think we've missed him now. I, uh, all right. Look, we, we're going to have to just pause because there is a very important briefing that is happening right now. And I think these in, uh, briefings are important because oftentimes we, we don't have the opportunity to have them in studio. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to that press briefing. Apparently it is a, a finance ministry briefing. I'm not sure who is. It's economic cluster briefing. I'm not sure exactly who's there because I can't see the faces myself where I'm sitting. But we're going to go there. Um, just so that you and I are better informed so that next time when we have another conversation like this, you can't say then to me, but what government is saying, the only way at this point we can ask what government is saying is to going to these briefings. I know that you don't necessarily enjoy them, but I think it's best for us to just uh, listen in. But let's take a break first.